one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our brand new podcast show for the love of books, featuring Indian small press authors who bravely navigate the treacherous waters of self-publishing and marketing even during the pandemic. I will be your host, Emma, and we're going to have a blast as we move forward to enjoying life again in all its dimensions. This show was made partly possible by the generosity of Doc Shavant and her support for the arts. It is my pleasure to present to you award-winning author, Colleen Nye. Welcome, Colleen. Thank you. How are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm good. It's a beautiful day out there, yeah? Uh, yes. <laughs> I am doing good. All right. First of all, to all your pen names, this R.J. Lloyd, you write about um, that's uh, the side of you. R.J. is the side of you. Can you describe that side of us to you, of you to, to us? Um. I guess, I guess all three of my pen names are a different version of me. RJ, <laughs> RJ stemmed from many a years being told as Colleen Nye that um, it would be a challenge to write in multiple genres and um, on multiple levels so that maybe I needed to create another pen name for books if I wanted to get a little more action or delve further into paranormal supernatural fantasy, or especially if I was going to spice up any of my, you know, behind closed door scenes. And, um, and so last year I said, well, it's probably about time I do that. And so I created RJ Lloyd. RJ Lloyd. So that's your newest one. No, my newest pen name is Nora Carter. Nora Carter. All righty. Okay. In 2020, you were the number one best-selling author on Amazon for immersion and letters to Cora. Tell us all about that. How did you reach that status? I have no clue because <laughs> I am terrible at marketing myself. <laughs> well, there, I mean, you got to attribute it to something. <laughs> um, I have fantastic readers uh, and the characters just seem to speak to people, I suppose. Um, Letters to Cora has always been a steady selling book for me. It's a paranormal contemporary romance and historical romance all rolled into one. Um, and it was a lot of fun to write, uh, and, um, my readers seem to just really enjoy it. Immersion, I think, speaks to the modern age. Uh, I cannot tell you how many book signings I've been at, even over in Europe, that people have said, uh, something attributing to the fact that they, they likened it to the kind of realm of Ready Player One, um, it's it's a sci-fi suspense dystopian where um i guess uh, a virtual reality game system is developed and people our nature is to escape from things that are making us unhappy and in a world that 
is in a bit worse of a place than we are now. Economy, war, crime, all of that is a bit elevated and people want to escape it and they escape into a virtual reality gaming system um, where the makers decide not to release that if you aren't careful, you will never come out of it. And so it's a small group of people that set out to take down this very large corporation with very deep ties um, and to stop the the deaths that are happening because of this gaming system okay how many copies did you have to sell to reach that status i i don't i don't watch that <laughs> I, I don't um i so i don't, you have, don't they notify you right no <laughs> no they don't actually um you're not even notified when you get a best-selling status um okay. i actually i get nudged I get nudged like, hey, did you know you have that little orange flag on your on your account? And I'm like, no. <laughs> you actually have to go into your reports and watch your sales if you want to know and and all that. And, I, and I'm terrible at it because I know that those days when they're not up there, they're, they feel crushing. And um, and so I opt to just I put the books out there. I do my best to market. Sometimes I watched a little more closely to get a feel for what works and what doesn't. And other times I just don't even bother looking. <laughs> Okay, so what was your reaction to that when you found out? Um, excited and motivated. Usually when one of my books wins an award or gets a status, it just motivates me to work harder on my next book. All right, then to your award. You received an award in 2017 at the Chapter Con in London for... Yeah for immersion, for the most intense scene. Can you describe that intense scene to us? I, I asked that question. I got, I, I did. <laughs> I got, I asked that question because I got, I got the memo that the book was winning an award. It used to be under the Colleen Nye name and I actually moved it to RJ Lloyd because it fits genre wise a bit better. Um, so I asked the question prior to flying over there. So I kind of knew what to expect um, because it was my understanding that for that award, readers had to vote on what scene. And when I asked the, the host of the convention kind of chuckled and said, readers voted that it was that there was two votes that ran for your book one was for a specific scene but the one that won readers voted that the most intense scene was for the book as a whole and, <laughs> and so apparently the whole book is one big giant intense scene for readers so you're um, kidding me the whole book is like a one giant scene that's what the readers felt that it was that it was so fluid she said that readers said it was so fluid and the whole book was intense from the beginning to the end that they voted that the whole book should win the award for most intense scene could you could you at least reveal some of the elements what made it intense in your opinion in my opinion it's because the characters start off just the everyday characters, you know, they all have their own tragic stories and their everyday elements and their goals they want in life that are, um, I guess, 
not unlike a lot of people these days where COVID interrupted their lives in immersion, it's, it's the, the downfall of governments and the uprising of crime is, is interrupting their lives and, and, and keeping them from being able to travel and keeping them from being able to do things that they've always wanted to do or that they need to do. And, and so these characters are just everyday people, but they see a cause and they set out and every step of the way that they go to try to stop killing, stop these, you know, this thing that's killing people and the people that are driving behind it, uh, they're met with another obstacle that they have to overcome. And, and some of them are uh, in regards to the actual, you know, progression of getting to the corporation and those that are blocking them to uh, hiccups in their own personal lives and people that kind of come back around or, or, or step in and that, uh, that cause emotional setbacks in regards to trying to move forward to do this. So it gets very both uh, in personal intense and action-wise intense explosions, shootings, um, you know, all that kind of thing happen as well, so. Do you have to do research for that or, I mean, the shootings and all that, or you don't get into the specifics, you know, what kind of a gun or what kind of shooting or? I, I like to get into it a little bit. I try to balance. That's that's a big thing when it comes to my writing. Everything is about balance to me. And so having grown up being raised primarily in rural settings, um, I was raised a lot by truckers and bikers and farmers. So I knew a lot about guns already. I'm in the Midwest. Uh, well, I grew up in the, Mid in the Midwest. And, um, and so I already knew a lot about guns. So I had a little bit of knowledge. Uh, but I've also spent a lot of time in big cities. Um, I'm kind of a Detroit girl at heart, New York, um, some other very large cities that I've spent a fair amount of time in. So uh, I kind of had a base knowledge of things. And so my goal was to just kind of spruce a little bit of that up and give a little bit of details so that readers that knew things about guns, that knew things about explosions, that knew things about action and gaming systems and different things, they would they would see details in there that they're like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, that's real. OK, yeah, I get that to so make the story realistic and to teach those that didn't know without going overboard, because, you know, sometimes you read books and and the authors give so much information about a gun and its functionality and its look or the way things happen around an explosion or the car chase and the car itself that you're that you get lost in the details and it pulls you out of the story and I didn't want to do that either so I strove to kind of reach a balance between the details and the story and the details of the scene so but that's a really fine line that you're it walking is. how do you <laughs> how, how how long did it take you to learn how to walk that fine line I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone ever learns to walk it perfectly, especially with audiences ranging. You're never going to be perfect for everybody. So you kind of have to just feel your story. You have to figure out where your story is. Is your story more detail driven or story driven, character driven? Um, and and work that line towards the element you want for an overall feel. Because if, you're, if your story is exceedingly character-driven, but then you find these little pockets that are, that are um, 
that dive too far into details, it pulls you too far out of the overall feel of the book. And you don't want to do that. So you kind of have to pay attention to what you're aiming at for your story and what you want your readers to feel. Okay. And how do you find your off-kilter characters? You're, you're in constant search of off-kilter characters. How do you find them or who do you model them after? Um, I'm autistic. <laughs> so, really? Yes. Um, I am, technically I'm Asperger's, but a lot of the industry doesn't use that term anymore. So it's mm -hmm. kind of wherever you go on that, there's a lot of people in the industry that still fight to use the term. So I'm Asperger's. I am on the autism spectrum. And um, so I don't think like most people. So it's a little easier for me, for my characters to be different, okay. um, to see the world different, to, to, to act different, respond different. So a lot of my characters are not going to be your everyday character. So I strive to find the characters within myself versus write what everybody else, you know, sees. And what I love about the industry and the world as a whole, I mean, art as a whole, science as a whole, these days is we're breaking into the fact that me using terms like everybody else and norm isn't actually even a factor anymore because we're finding out more and more people that that strove for that normality it's not real normality isn't real we are all very unique we are all very different there's more people on the autism spectrum borderline personality spectrum um, people with depression, people with all these different, I, I don't want to say mental disorders, even though they are, we are all on different mental levels and platforms and, and it's, it's, it's different for each of us. And so, um, I just like to bring these characters that are different to the spotlight versus being the, um, the secondary characters or the, uh, the supporting characters. They are now in my books the ones that you're following. Okay, so you're telling us that it's easy for you. I think it's natural for me because I, I it's how I think. <laughs> that's, that's great. All right, tell us about the Keepers of Knowledge, the 10 book series. Okay, so it started as a 10 book series. The Keepers of Knowledge series is a multi-author shared world experience. Um, there's a number of them out there. Uh, I was inspired by a couple different ones that I participated in. One was last summer I did the Royal Alpha Wolves Club, which was um, sparked by uh, another author that was on the project. And the four of us worked collaboratively together. And what she did was she created a prologue for the, for that was a basically a little mini short story that set up what was going on. And she created the world. We each picked a character out of the prologue and wrote the story mm -hmm. from there. And that was a lot of fun. And then Havenwood Falls 
which is a very large shared world multi-author community. I've written in that series um, and I uh, have a book out and then I'm in one of the collab pieces as well, uh, or a sh uh, short story collab pieces. It's, um, it's a fantastic shared world thing. There's just a world that's created and uh, authors come in and bring new characters and, and write within the world. And there's a lot of crossover between authors and books. And so I was inspired, especially by those two and some others, and um, decided that I wanted to create my own because it was a lot of fun to create a world where other authors come in with their own characters and and write from that springboard of, of the situation that you set up for them. And so Pyre Shore is a made-up town on the coast of New Hampshire. Uh, it is a supernatural world, and the, there is a free uh, prologue book that has also introductions from each one of the 10, uh, 10 of us authors that are writing in the first series. And then all first 10 books are out. That was grammatically incorrect. I'm sorry. <laughs> the first 10 books of the series is are all out. And um, all by different authors. We each have our own character and set up and uh, and they are all trying out to be new keepers of knowledge in Empire Shore. Um, and then the next branch that we're getting ready to start writing, uh, there's a handful of us authors that are gonna do the Division of Sciences characters. And then it, we, I have more set up to do from there as long as we have readership and authors that are willing to write there's more branches of the world that'll continue to come out. Whoa. So. When do you all, uh, when do you find the time to do all of this? I mean, are you a 100% writer? Um, no, I am a single mom. <laughs> so I have to work. Uh, so, and I have to raise my teens. And so I have a lot of other things I do, but, um, I write at night. I write in the morning. Um, I carry an iPad mini and a hinge zag case with backlighting everywhere I go. So if I'm sitting in a doctor's office or out in my yard or whatever, I can whip that out and write wherever I'm at whenever inspiration strikes. So, so you're always ready. Always I'm ready. Always ready. <laughs> That's perfect. So if you were to count all your books, would, could you put a total on them, a total number? I lost count a while ago. Uh, solo books, I am somewhere around 15. Um, but shared projects were either a short story or a collab project or... I used to write poetry, really bad teenage angsty poetry um, that's been published in a number of publications, books and anthologies and whatnot. Um, I have probably another 30 books on top of that that I'm in. Um, so, but solo projects, I'm somewhere around 15 at this point. Wow. Speaking about being prolific, all right. When and why did you start writing? I've always done that. I've always, always been a writer, I suppose. Um, I, I won my first award was the Sarah Andres uh, 
Young Writers Award award when I was a teenager. Um, I, I don't know a time that I didn't want to. Okay. And your motivation to write? Any specific motivation or just a passion or something that's inside? The characters? It's always the characters. The characters, um, they want to tell a story. They want to tell their story. And you yeah. let them, right? Yeah. You I, I, saw, I saw a meme once that was perfect was, um, I don't actually write stories. I, ha I have all these characters in my head and I s that go out and do crazy things. I simply write the incident report. <laughs> that is nice. That is nice. And so true. Yes. Yeah. So true. So yeah. what sets you apart from other authors other than the genres? Um, I don't know is there is something. I think every author brings something to the table. I, I think mm -hmm. we all have something unique and something shared and um, I'm just me. That's, that's it, really it is we're all unique. Uh, so to ask it whether or not I'm unique compared to other authors, well, yeah, but everyone is, we all have something. Otherwise all books would be the same and readers would get bored and, and, and reading wouldn't be as big a thing as it is. Okay. Recently, I heard a comment that really surprised me that uh, during the era of uh, mass production of books, that it's no longer considered an art. What do you think about that, about mass production of books? But I think whoever said that doesn't understand what art is. Um, if that's the case, then t uh, movies are not an art. Music is not an art. Sculpting, painting, none of it's an art anymore. Exactly. So I would say that that person is incorrect. Okay, you also published during the pandemic. What was it like compared to publishing in normal times? Easier. Easier, really? You're the step. first one. No, 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 you're not the first one. But how was it easier? I'm not required to leave the house and I am technically on leave because my job is out in public and I am a sickly human being. So my immune system can't, doesn't allow me to be out. And, and so, um, being home and without, without the temptation of going to the restaurants to hang out with friends and, um, going to, I love my writer's group, but I, you know, without that weekly meeting and, um, outings with friends and, I uh, work in, on location. Now my work is done from home at this point, everything is home. So I'm here, I'm here and I'm not out in the world socializing and doing all those responsibilities as near as much. So I can focus a bit more. I created the RJ Lloyd name um, last summer and I re I released um, Everwinter, which is book one of Chronicles of New Lyra in July. And then I released another book in August, September, October, November, December, and then two in January because I released... Um, an, uh, a book for RJ Lloyd in January and a book in for Nora Carter, my first Nora Carter book in January. And, um, and so it's just, it, 
it's just been easier. Granted, a couple of them were transitions from my Colleen Nine name, but I had to reread and edit and rewrite a few sections and recover and all of that. So there was still, you know, reformatting. It was it was still a lot of work that had to be done to get them released. And on top of the books that I wrote from scratch. So yeah, for me, it was it's made my life easier. <laughs> At least my writer life. <laughs> but even the marketing and the book launches, since we couldn't get out there to meet real people, real fans. Right. Um, you just have to re refocus your efforts to online. Um, yeah, I, I do miss going in person and doing all the physical signings and the shows and the conventions and all of that. But it's just as easy, if not easier, to reach a wider audience online than that is in person. The difference is, is it's, it has to be done differently. Um, also, the difference is, is there are more people at home being more focused on their writing and marketing. So the market is, is a little more flooded than it, than it was before. What do you see as the biggest challenge in the publishing process and how do you handle it? In the publishing process? In the, yeah, well, let's say in the entire creative process from the idea to the final product and getting the final product to the reader. Uh, I'm torn. For me personally, it is getting it in front of a solid readership that's willing to go out and tell their friends about it. Um, I can advertise till I am broke and blue in the face and, and haven't slept in a week. And it's not going to be near as effective as finding those handful of other people that are willing to go out and say, hey, I loved this book. You should read it too. Because literally having a small handful of people going out and doing that with your books is far more effective than thousands of dollars and in, in, in slapping it on sponsored ads everywhere. Word of mouth for things like selling stuff is, is the best form of marketing. However, for a lot of writers, I think the hardest part of the creative process is forcing yourself to sit down and write it. You don't have a problem with that, sitting down, actually, the button I, I, chair time. I go through waves. Um, for instance, Echoes in the Bloodline, which is my my Keepers of Knowledge, for my first book in Keepers of Knowledge series. Um, <sighs> It was it was it was tough getting myself to sit down and get the words on the page, and then all of a sudden, I wrote sixty thousand words in two and a half weeks. So, it's for me, it comes and goes. It really does. But for a lot of, I mean, that's why you get a lot of authors that sit there and um, to get to get the words on the page without obsessing about this, that, the other thing or losing motivation and losing focus, it, it, it can be a real struggle. And that's why some people take 20 years to write a single novel. It, it's not always the easiest thing to do. That's true. Right? What have you learned about yourself from your writing? I, I, don't, I, I think a lot. I think writers learn, 
if you're paying attention to what you put in your characters and in your stories, you'll learn an immense amount of things about yourself. Um, who you are, how you see the world, um, how you react to things, because whether or not we want to admit it, um, you can only write from your own experiences and your own perspective. Uh, and that includes what you know. So uh, even if it's not you personally, you learn a lot about your knowledge of the world around you. I mean, I have characters that I will honestly say that they react in ways that I never would. And I have to pull myself out of my own mental platforms and, um, and look at the world differently and, and find different ways of seeing things. Uh, mm -hmm. And so you learn about yourself that way. How flexible are you to seeing the world differently? Or, or are your characters truly all purely you and just, just different sides of you? Okay. Tell us about the most interesting thing that has happened to you during an in-person author event. I don't think I'll ever forget the first time I was recognized on the streets. I was actually signing books at a large art fair and I had left my booth, did not have a name badge, did not have anything. I just went to go get some food. I was on the other side of the festival and um, <clears throat> carrying a thing of nachos <laughs> and a lemonade and a woman come up to me and just squealed. And, um, and was, and said that her and her mom read my books and they just loved them and wanted to know if she could take a picture and had tears in her eyes. And it was, it was, it was amazing. It's, I, I would think that it compares to now that I think about it, there was another time and, um, there was a few of us authors all sharing a table at a huge book convention and, and a different woman walked up to the table and she did not realize that it was the authors there, that we were the authors of those books. Okay. And, um, and as soon as one of the other authors that was standing there with me told her that, no, we, we wrote these. Cause she had been saying that she had heard, heard about them and she'd read this one and she had read that one. And, and the, and one of the gentlemen was just like, yeah, we, we wrote those and she was stunned and she literally backed up and then screamed <laughs> and just started yelling, you, you, it's you. And she just went off and it was the, it was the most hilarious thing. I had a, I had a hugger. Like I didn't know what else to do. Like I was just like, yeah. And so it was, it was a really great experience when, when readers realize that they're standing there talking to the people that create their worlds, that they fall in love with those, the characters and the situations and they relate and everything. Um, I love, I love when a reader has that emotional of, of a reaction. Yep, this has happened to me too. Yeah. They, they thought that we're like vendors, like, you know, somebody representing from a bookstore or you mean you actually wrote this? They're fascinated that we would yeah. be there in person. That has right. happened to me and it's very nice. It's very nice. Where do you see the future of indie publishing? I think it's the way of the future. I think Amazon um, set a precedence uh, 
Barnes and Noble has followed suit, whether or not a lot of authors know it, you can actually take your books to, um, to Barnes and Noble site and get hard copies made of them. And a lot of authors don't, don't know you can do that. There, there's so many other platforms than Amazon. Amazon is usually the go-to because A, it's the most well-known and B, you don't have to ship Amazon your books that way uh, if you just go straight through them. But there are so many platforms that do this anymore that if you come to them with a completed book cover formatting, editing, everything's already done, they'll just put your books out there and, um, and you don't have to go through the gatekeepers anymore. You don't have to find an agent who's going to take a cut and go through a publishing company who's going to take a cut. And um, and for a lot of us indie authors, it's it's a battle because I know that if I get my book to a big time publisher that has a marketing budget, that um, that if they care enough about my book, it would be fantastic because then I'm, it's going to make it all over the place. Right. Right. But what a lot of people don't understand is for every, every household name author there is out there in the big publishers, there's hundreds of other books that that same company has that you're never hearing of. You're never going to see, you're not, you, you know, it might go to Barnes and Noble, but they're not going to sell out. And, um, and so I love, I love companies like Books A Million that'll work with small publishers and any authors personally, at least last I knew they do, and they will help put you in their stores. And um, um, so where it's still almost impossible to get indie authors into a lot of the Barnes and Noble without special rent, um, you know, things in regards to returns and refunds and, and all of that, it gets technical and I don't want to bore you all with it. Uh, little do people know I used to own a small publishing house and seeing the back end of things. Um, that was actually how I knew Marianne, um, Waddle Whelan, uh, was, was, she came with her book to my publishing house and, um, and I closed the doors because of the, the way that it's run on the back end. And I didn't, I didn't like it. And I didn't like the struggle that some of the authors had to go through and the hoops that everybody had to jump through. And so I found it easier to step back away from that. And I offer my services on the side at a reasonable rate for indie people. And I focus on being an indie author at this point. Okay. Uh, which platform do you publish on? I, as far as ebook or print? Yes. Both. Both. All my books. Do are both. you use KDP publishing or? I do. Yeah. It, it's easy. It's there. It's convenient. <clears throat> I'm familiar with it. it. It allows the books to be available on Amazon and, and extended. I do select extended publishing so that libraries can get my books as well. So. All right. Have you ever wanted to stop writing? I did stop writing. You did, <laughs> did stop writing. I did for two years. I stopped writing and um, I closed my publishing house and I, had debating taking down all of my books and never returning to it again. What triggered that? Depression. Depression. How did you get out of it? How did you overcome that? I got inspired to do another book. 
and I fought it for several months. And then I sat down and told myself to go ahead and write the first couple of chapters. And if it took me a while and it felt like a struggle, then I was done. But it didn't. I suddenly wrote a book. <laughs> so um, That's so great. I said, well, I need to go back to it. Wait, would you stop writing if you won the lottery? No. No, you're not writing for the money? No. No. Would you do it all over again, your writing career? I'd do it different. You'd do it different? How different? What would you I'd, do different? I'd start with novels earlier. And I don't think I would have ever opened the publishing house, even though I had been named the fastest growing small publishing house in America in 2016, which blew my mind. Um, it wasn't a good fit. I didn't like it. Um, and for a number of reasons, I partly because of the way the industry was, partly because of the way some of the authors were, and partly because um, it just isn't something that I ended up having the passion to do. Um, I have the passion to help other authors, just not in that capacity. And um, so I suppose that I would have started writing novels and stories more because at one point I had switched from short stories and poetry to content writing press releases. I was a movie reviewer for a while and I thought I wanted to be a journalist. And so I did that kind of, um, those different styles of writing for a long time, for several years. And I think that I, I should have started with the stories a lot sooner. What are the major takeaways from your books? Be true to yourself. I think a lot, I mean, my fiction books, not, my nonfiction are different. Um, but my fiction books, I think a lot of my characters find themselves in, in their stories. Um, and I, and to follow not only your heart, but your head and listen to both simultaneously, um, and just be true to yourself. Okay. Would you like to read to us? No, <laughs> but <laughs> I will. <laughs> what are you going to, which book are you going to read from? Um, I am going to read from Everwinter. I, I know I, I know backstory is not required, uh, but it's basically where Ari has, it's the very beginning of the book, where she's been portaled to Nylera by accident, um, and, or, and she meets Kane, doesn't know who he is, doesn't know who he is to the planet and what he is. Um, she's just trying to figure out how to get home. She doesn't know if she's in a different time or anything. And um, so she's just trying to figure out what happened. Okay, go so. for it. All right, I hate reading out loud, so bear with me. Okay, slightly surprised, I headed for the door. Thanks. As I passed by the towering man, seeing a pack of what looked like cigars poking out of his pocket, I looked up at him. You know, they've proven that smoking is bad for you. It would be a shame to waste that beautiful face. I smirked as I went to duck inside the tavern, now trying to remember who I, who I was looking for and how to explain my situation to him. The man 
blinked and and held the door and as he held the door <clears throat> sorry see <laughs> the, oh, the, the man blinked as he held the door but instead of letting me pass he slid down an arm to catch the back of my shirt oh did they now exactly who has proven this I turned and looked at him yanking on my shirt yanking on my shirt that was firmly in his grasp barely getting it free excuse me exactly who has proven that smoking is bad little one he let go of me but stepped in my way blocking me from entering the tavern trying not to go into a panic i straightened out my shirt a little over dramatically scientists people who crap i was suddenly glaringly aware that if that if i was stuck back in time there was no way that anyone had proven this it wouldn't have even been a topic i mean I read a book where it was a theory. Thanks for helping me in. I tried to duck under his arm once again to slip into the tavern before making matters worse. He huffed and tilted his head. Oh, no, ma'am. You come right back now. You come right, come back right now. You really aren't from this place, are you? He stopped me from getting past again. I turned towards him, wishing he wasn't saying this as loud as he was, afraid that he was would attract a crowd. I already told you I'm not. I'm from a small village a number of miles away, and who are you to command me around? What does it matter what small, inconsequential place I'm from? Is there some law that outsiders aren't allowed here? Oh, how I hoped that wasn't actually the case. He cracked his knuckles. Oh, sweetheart, I own this little establishment. So how about we talk about the subject at hand? Come in and have a seat, darling. He pressed a hand to my back, practically pushing me inside. Once near a spot along the back wall, he waved to a chair and table nearby as people got up and scurried away from his chosen spot. Sit, he instructed me. I blinked at the people leaving the table. Something in the pit of my stomach mocked me, saying I'd screwed up now. Still holding my bag tight against the front of me, I took a seat. Well, if you own this place and you insist on interrogating me on my knowledge of smoking research, then would you mind terribly getting me something to eat and maybe some water? I pursed my lips at him. Or some, or one of your waitresses so they can. I hardly see you the type to do such menial work. With a flick of his wrist, he waved at the staff to fetch the things I had requested. So which world are you from exactly? My jaw fell open. World? What do you mean? My mind raced through the possible alternatives to the word Earth someone might have used in another time period, but I came up with nothing. This world, what other world is there? I at least felt safe enough in that since only those who want to get locked away admitted they think there's any other habitable worlds. Are you okay, sir? Is this some joke? Oh, I'm very okay. He opened his hand and summoned a fireball and watched my reaction. I flinched slightly. Being a witch, I was used to some magic, but being from Earth, I wasn't used to such blatant use of it or with such ease. I moved, hitting my back against the chair, pulling my bag up tighter once again. Warlock or hybrid? I quirked an eyebrow at him. And how do you get away with being so open about it? My voice was hushed as I looked around to see the reaction of others. Is your time period used to this sort of thing? And my time period has time period is just forgotten the corner of his mouth came up forming a sly smirk we are of the same time we are just not of the same world great thank you that was nice thank you thanks where can people find you this summer 
in person. Just a few highlights, just something, a place that you really like. Not all of your, I, I believe, what is your uh, website address where you have your stuff listed? Um, rjloydbooks.com is my website. It has everything RJ Lloyd and I am going to be okay. making sure that everything Colleen Nye and Nora, uh, Nora Carter are up there. Nora Carter, Nora Carter is my uh, nonfiction series that um, are different ways to enhance your characters, your storyline, and your worlds. Um, but uh, I'm not going to be anywhere this summer that I know of yet. Uh, I'm not ready to go out, um, giving COVID a little more time, people a sure. uh, little more time to get vaccinated. But sure. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. And um, so I will be there and, and available. Okay, that is awesome. How about parting shots? <laughs> Something enjoy, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Enjoy reading, that's enjoy reading. And if you write, enjoy writing. Okay, all right. My parting shots are buy indie, Read indie and write indie. Thank you, Colleen. It Thank was you. great meeting you.